Welcome to this bonus episode of That's So Second Millennium. My name is Paul Geesting. If you want to know how to spell that, uh, look at the liner notes. What I want to do today is give you some idea why I'm so passionate about the work we're embarking upon in this podcast by sharing with you some key experiences in my life. So, I was a gifted kid in certain directions. I could read by age five. I remember hounding my mother and my aunt to teach me long division a year or so later. I was teaching myself calculus out of a book from the library in fifth grade or so. I was kind of a freak. My intellectual life up to age 14 had two parallel tracks that really never intersected. One I can boil down to this phenomenally intricate pop-up book of the universe. It had a Big Bang, a galaxy, a star interior, a few other pages, something about the planets, a big crunch. I can't imagine how much this thing cost to manufacture. It was massive. It is massive. It's sitting on my desk right now. It mesmerized me and gave me this lifelong appreciation for just how small Earth and its inhabitants are, and how big and fascinating the larger universe is. This other track was summarized by this big red book on the shelf called the Bible. Now, we actually had one of those white, fancy family Bibles, and then next to it we had this plain red, hardbound New American Bible for us to, you know, actually read. So one of the most important memories of my childhood is of those handful of times my father took one of the Bibles down, laid it on the floor, and read the Bible to my brother and I. I think it was for Christmas or Easter, at least one apiece, probably. I don't remember for certain what he read, I remember that the book was obviously important. It was central to human existence somehow, because of this testimony my father was giving by making a big deal out of it. So at some point, I started reading it on my own. I can remember driving down to the nearest town with a YMCA about 20 miles away for swimming lessons in grade school and plowing through this red Bible. I got all the way from Genesis to Maccabees. as a Catholic Bible, after all. But Job stopped me. Let me tell you, it does not matter how precocious a reader your third grader is, they're not going to get Job. I turn 40 next year, uh, I'm starting to get Job. I'm starting to. He's kind of like Horace that way, my old Latin professor assures me. Anyway, as I got older, 12 or 13, I came to the conclusion that track one, the science track, was the truth, and that no one really believed in track two, the Bible. Of course, track one includes, you know, the idea that when you die, nothing happens to you. Uh, you're just extinct after that. I could not uh, dread anything more than that, but that was in its way its own piece of persuasion. I was convinced that our s solid, stodgy old priest and everyone else in our parish was just faking it when they pretended or carried on these religious rituals and all of this other stuff. Obviously, this dusty old Bible is wildly inconsistent with the story science tells us on track one, I was sure all the capacity for subtlety and nuance that junior high kids are capable of. But again, to reiterate, I think the most important thing was I believe Track 2 promised me something I just wanted too much to believe. This whole business of eternal life. I was that kid who lay in his bed when he was eight, frightened because he knew he was going to die someday. Try finding an answer to that in your child psychology book, Mom. My poor mother. Anyway, I'm a native pessimist, or close enough to native I can't tell the difference. And so obviously there couldn't be any life after death for me to console myself with, because all consolation is false. This was the world I'd lived in. At 14, I had this kind of negative epiphany. This is not the right venue to share, you can probably guess the subject matter. Um, it suffices to say that I was brought into confrontation with something in myself that I came to this, this certainty was evil. So certain that it was sin. And this broke up my certainty that there weren't 
other transcendental things, all the other track two things, God, goodness, heaven. So I began to read more religious books. I got the Bible open and read the New Testament. I read the Catholic epistles over and over again. James is, to my to this day, one of my favorites. And I also got my mother's catechism out from when she entered the church in the early 80s, and I think she had a surprisingly good catechism for that time period. Shortly after that, I encountered another book down in the basement of our new house here. There was this old dog-eared copy of John Chiardi's translation of Dante's Inferno, a little black paperback. You may very well have seen it. I think it's a very common edition of that book, as it should be, because it's a really good one. That was a revelation. In that book, with the help of the bales of footnotes, I encountered the intellectual world of the High Middle Ages, the early 14th century and the immediate aftermath of the scholastic synthesis. Dante lived in a world where his classical and his especially Aristotelian understanding of the universe, which is itself clearly distinct from the picture portrayed by the writers of the Old Testament, was merged. This Aristotelian science and this biblical understanding were not just butted together, but they were intricately interwoven. And they created this one single spiritual universe of the medieval church that Dante lays out in just gorgeous detail. By the time I'd also devoured the Purgatorio, I was convinced of something that's remained with me ever since, that this whole business could be done again. This synthesis that I was seeing Dante lay out, we could do it again. Now, sure, we have a lot more science to merge in with the faith than Dante did with, you know, the Aristotelian science that they had to work with. For that matter, we've got more developments in faith to think about. But that's just a question of manpower and time. Not only was I and am I convinced that we could come to a new synthesis of modern science and the Catholic faith, but I was and I am convinced that this new synthesis, partly due to its sheer scale, is going to be even more gorgeous and intricate and fascinating than the one that Dante laid out for me. Now, I have to admit, like I said, I turn 40 next year. I have not done enough with that realization since then. I haven't applied myself to using nearly as much grace as I've been offered for far too much of that time. Bits and pieces of that will probably come out as the podcast progresses. In any case, I do think there's something I have to share, and I do have to do something to try to share it. My training is as a mineralogist, which means that I've actually had to do some pretty heavy-duty chemistry, physics, mathematics. Um, Mineralogy is basically about crystals and how atoms are arranged in space and why they take those arrangements. So I have enough of that background to speak the language of modern physics. I've tackled a quirky array of readings in modern and medieval philosophy, enough to get me at least to a point where I can talk to modern philosophers as well. I can see in my own mind some of the main structural members of this new synthesis I'm talking about, at least some drawings of where they'll have to go. I've also found some fascinating work in the fields of neuroscience and psychology in the last several years, that also seem to be critical elements for us to address these ancient philosophical questions about how we think, or for that matter, the morals of how we behave in situations like marriage, sexuality, and interpersonal relationships. All I hope to do with Bill's help in this podcast is to lay out as many of these pieces as possible and share with you some of our own thoughts and speculations about their significance, in the light of faith, and what sort of real universe we really live in if we take it all into consideration. Now, Bill and I are just interested amateurs. We have no professional careers or claims or reputations in this field to defend. 
Our goal is just to harmonize competing claims as much as the logic will let us. We're not in this to get into an argument. If that's what you want to hear, well, you may be listening to the wrong podcast. But give our approach a try. We definitely want to hear from our listeners. Please chime in through our website, send us an email, or use whatever social media you prefer to get in contact with us. Send us books, send us your own thoughts, speculations, wild ravings, whatever you need. And I hope prayers for us as well. Welcome aboard, and I hope you enjoy the ride.